0: don't believe i always think that all this bullshit about to provoke you a little bit more this is superstitious logic it's pure ideology you know this ecological bullshit like uh
1: hello welcome to the end of the world this is anthropocene's episode 58 and today we are talking about twister from 1996 directed by uh jan de bont uh, written by Michael Crichton and his then-wife, I believe, Anne-Marie Martin, which I did not know.
0: Hmm. I I recently watched the Honest trailer for Twister, and I believe they uh, shouted out Crichton. So I think I heard that, but I didn't know it in
1: 1996 when I saw this. Nope. <laughs> Neither did I. I didn't know it in uh, 2020 when I rewatched it until the the end credits, and I was like, oh. Uh, but I have to say, like, just as a as a way of like opening the discussion of the movie, is even though the plot and the acting are a little uh, underwhelming at times or a little cliche, I think this movie whips ass, and I still very much enjoyed watching it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I uh, I wasn't bored. I was it. I think I
0: only saw it maybe once when it when it first came out. Uh, and, and I've always kind of had a, a slightly exceptional fear of tornadoes. Like, I mean, everyone's afraid of tornadoes, but I'm like, like it, it gets to me. And plus, plus I've like, my brother was in our house when it got hit with a tornado and it was like, he's, he's given me the lowdown on what it was like. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's terrifying. Um. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty funny story, uh, in retrospect, but, uh, uh yeah, tornadoes freak me out. I, I thought about, but then forgot about trying to, uh, uh, do a double feature with twister and, uh, night of the twisters, uh, with, uh, Devin Sala. Remember that masterpiece?
1: Uh, no, no well, I don't know. I don't think, was it like a made for cable movie? i, I don't know honestly i can't it used to come
0: on some cable station often but i don't know if it was like a sort of you know the way tnt played shawshank over and over and over or if it was like a disney channel original or something <laughs> it, it wasn't a disney channel original we would we would remember it if that were the case but uh it was another
1: scary tornado movie probably capitalizing on twister what I will say is, uh, the and when I say Twister whips ass, I just mean it's fun to watch. Like it's exciting. It's pretty like the pacing of it's pretty brisk. Uh, the, you, there's not really a a whole lot of drag in it. It just kind of keeps going I, and it keeps chasing. Yeah, I I didn't remember the fact that it's
0: basically a day. Like the story takes place over a day. Yeah,
1: it's pretty pretty crazy how much they pack in because the first, I mean the the whole timing of the movie is more or less based around, uh, the deployment of the Dorothy machines, the mm-hmm. tracker things, and there's four of them. So it's sort of like act one. And then, and then you follow right up with the second one, like within the same tornado chase scene, basically.
0: Yeah. Uh, let me, I, I was reminded of a, of a passage or two in, uh, a book of essays by David Foster Wallace talking about, uh, a trend in 1990s action films. Uh, the essay, I want to read just a little bit of it. The essay is called the, as it were, seminal importance of Terminator two. Uh, and I, I'm going to read the first and last paragraph. So he says, uh, 1990s moviegoers who have sat clutching their heads in both awe and and disappointment at movies like Twister and Volcano and The Lost World, can thank James Cameron's Terminator 2, Judgment Day, for inaugurating what's become this decade's special new genre of big-budget film, special effects porn. Porn, because if you substitute effects for intercourse, the parallels between the two genres become so obvious they're eerie. Just like hardcore cheapies, movies like Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park aren't really movies in the standard sense at all. What they really are is half a dozen or so isolated spectacular scenes, scenes comp- scenes comprising maybe 20 or 30 minutes of riveting, sensuous payoff strung together via another 60 to 90 minutes of flat, dead, and often hilariously insipid narrative. And then I'm skipping to the last paragraph, last line. He says, popular entertainment media report, that Cameron's new Titanic, currently in post-production, is once again the most expensive and technically ambitious film of all time. A nation is even now pricing trench coats and lubricants in anticipation of its release. (laughs) End quote. Uh, So I definitely think, like, like he mentioned, specifically Twister in that opening paragraph, I definitely think this movie fits the... You know, the effects porn category, uh, because the, the twister is sort of like, or the, the scenes with the, where you're actually, you know, in the storm or, or chasing the storm is sort of like the, you know, the, <laughs> I, I feel weird saying cum shot. I don't know why. Uh, it's the cum <laughs> shot.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would. Twisters more or less like that, and they, you know, they try sort of with the the weird like rom commy sort of angle of the the love triangle between uh Bill it, is Bill Paxton's character's name Bill in the movie? I just realized that. I think it is. It's Bill. Yeah, yeah cuz I kept calling him Billy. Wow, that's weird. I didn't even catch that. Bill and Joe. Bill yeah. And Joe. let me just say, I this whole
0: uh, the whole movie of Twister is Bill Paxton straight overachieving. The whole time <laughs> you just I get the, I get the sense that he's just going to like break character, look into the camera and just be like, "I'm so happy to be here. What am I doing in this major Hollywood blockbuster? I'm Bill Paxton." yeah and he really that's not a dig Bill Paxton is great in uh, uh, Nightcrawler uh, which uh, in a strange turn of events he he actually says the word Nightcrawler in Twister talking about Carrie L's character anyway I like Bill Paxton but I do not think he is uh, leading Hollywood blockbuster material
1: unless you count uh, wasn't he wasn't he the lead in frailty
0: he directed frailty but that was like a super cheap movie uh, I love frailty he was I guess McConaughey is technically the lead in that but he he directed it and was the the father character um, I was talking about the movie Frailty today with my dad who like loves that movie so much
1: It's weird. Yeah, we get together on yeah. Father's Day I don't, and watch frailty. We didn't watch frailty. I wish we watched a replay of the Braves game. <laughs> nice. Which game? Did you watch like a like an important one? Well, the so what uh, Fox Sports
0: is doing is they're just replaying last season, uh, but they're only and in order, but they're only playing the games that the Braves won.
1: Oh, well, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> so they're they're in like late July, I think,
0: in terms of like last season.
1: They should just replay like Golden Years, Braves highlights. I think they're doing that in addition. They did one thing where they were,
0: I can't remember if this was on Fox or, or just on YouTube, but there was this broadcast of the 95 Braves reunited in a zoom and they like together watched it was almost like a director commentary, but with like the whole team watching uh, the 1995 champion world series championship game together. It's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> the, the, I mean, they're going to have to find content somewhere because uh, you see where they, uh they were having training camps and then a bunch of teams had positive tests for COVID. So they just put the kibosh on it, cut it off.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a political sort of mess now with the whole uh, you know negotiations. Anyway, that's a that's a different <laughs> subject. We've got bigger. Not, that's not Twister we related. got bigger steak and eggs to fry up here. Hell yeah! Uh, so um, I, let me let me get this out of the way. I've got two sort of fun, I think fun kind of alternate readings of Twister. First of all, I think it is amazing to uh, read the opening sequence of Twister. Just to imagine the news report, like the weather report that the, that the, the father character sees before the tornado comes, is uh, news of Trump's election. And then the Twister, like the actual storm, is the storm of the Trump administration. And then the father figure is trying to hold down, you know, the, the latch so that he himself doesn't get sucked up in to the storm. And he's like this embodiment of rural America, you know, he's this farmer, but it's too strong and he gets sucked up into it. And, uh, and then the whole, you know, uh, arc for Helen Hunt's character, Joe is like, trying to make sense of and, and understand how her father, you know, uh, got sucked up into this nightmare storm.
1: Just, just Helen Hunt outside of, a like the doors to a, a Trump rally trying to get in and Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton holding her back. And she's like, I have to see it. I want to see it. <laughs> and he's it. like, it's a, it's an F5. Oh uh. I thought you yeah. were going to go, like, depressing route and be like, the the dad's Mexican, and so he gets deported by ICE. Uh,
0: but he, he might have survived, but uh, no. Anyway, that was, for whatever reason, the first thought I had. The second sort of weird reading, which I think is uh, equally silly, is – I thought it was very strange that the ex, or not the ex-wife, but the fiancé character, mm-hmm. uh, we learned that she is a psychotherapist.
1: Yeah. A and that's,
0: that's used for kind of uh, jokes, you know? Like she's just like counseling crazy people on the phone the whole time, mm-hmm. which is problematic for sure. But my, my suggestion here is that She's like this wildly experimental psychotherapist. And this is actually part of Bill Paxton's therapy. And Mm -hmm. she's like faking this relationship because she knows he and Helen Hunt should be together. And so she concocts this wild plan uh, to get them back together. And then, you know, when he leaves her after the storm or when, you know, they sort of part ways with an understanding I just like kind of want the camera to follow her, and she gives this like sort of wry smile, like another job, well done, you know. Uh, anyway,
1: this is the sort of shit I was thinking about watching the movie. <laughs> These like two films that would be more interesting, <laughs> but but there is, it, in all seriousness, there is
0: this uh, kind of w- with Helen Hunt's character it is this kind of wounded healer trope where it's like I, my life was scarred by this traumatic event. And now I will spend all of my time trying to understand, uh, and, and mitigate the damage of this traumatic, uh, the, these traumatic events. Uh, so, which, which is interesting in, in a movie, where the like the, the fiance character, like I said, the movie uses therapy as a joke, uh, and yet the Helen Hunt character is kind of this archetype of a healer in, in some sense. Thought that was strange.
1: Well, Helen Hunt's character is also like the archetype of a of a therapy participant, right? Like her whole life being driven by this kind of quest to regain the lost father figure, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's interesting. And and so, you know, Jamie Gertz's character, uh, Melissa, um, her whole job is kind of played like you're saying as a joke. And she's like, gets to say penis. She's like, I don't think she married your penis. And then there's a pause and she's like, okay, I don't think she just married your penis. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta that's let a, you go. We got cows and a humor. Yeah. yeah, and she gets to deliver the 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 iconic line from the movie of uh, "We got cows." <laughs> that's, that's here's another weird thing, and you, you we sort of
0: mentioned this uh, before we started recording, or the other day when we watched it. So, in the opening scene, uh like the big drama before the dad gets sucked up in the tornado for all eternity is whether or not the dog for all
1: eternity is going- <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just in fucking <laughs> he's just in uh, in limbo he is somewhere over the rainbow yeah.
0: um uh, so the the drama is whether or not the dog is going to make it to the cellar oh yeah yeah right but if you notice when they're running to the cellar there's chickens in the yard and so there's this like weird emphasis on like uh dominance hierarchies (laughs) uh, where you know obviously dogs are man's best friend and we don't care if chickens get
1: sucked up into the tornado but we do care about horses apparently because at the end it makes a point to show us the horses right the horses survived but you know, who doesn't survive, obviously, is the cow. The cow
0: is used as a joke. You know, the, I was like, oh, another cow. No, I think it's the same cow. It's funny <laughs> that cows are getting sucked up into tornadoes. It is extremely dramatic whether a dog is getting sucked up into a tornado. It does not matter at all if a chicken gets sucked up into a tornado. And then... To, to emphasize its disdain for chicken and cows, chickens and cows, it has this weirdly emphatic scene where they're at the aunt's house eating and it's just like close-ups on the steak and eggs. Yeah, It's like, fuck
1: cows and chickens. That, that joke she tells of like, they're like, oh, Meg, you got a lot of beef. Where'd you get all this beef? She's like, see my cows up, up front? No. She's like, oh. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> Yeah, that and it's weird that like, it's a weird thing to be known for. I guess like to be the ant that's always got like forty pounds of of t bone steak sitting around that you're ready to feed people like your fucking there, Waffle House. There,
0: I'm it's there's something to it, and then and then did you notice what they use at the end when they're hiding? They're trying to secure themselves to the pole in the barn from the tornado. Mm,
1: it's a uh, straps of some kind leather leather oh, straps that, yeah. leather is stronger than
0: an f5 uh you know tornado hmm. uh, there is a weird emphasis on like on uh sort of humans priority over animals and like like i said the the dominant hierarchies of animals uh i i don't think i'm just like making this up i don't know if it's intentional or not but there's something weird going on with that
1: yeah it and so uh, a thing that caught me off guard because i didn't remember it because i I hadn't seen this movie since you know i don't know it's been over a decade probably um and i was watching it with lava and i was like oh um you know, I don't think anyone dies other than the father. Like, I don't think any of the characters die. I was wrong because the the rival team, you know, Kerry C- Ells or Elwes or however you say his name, and yeah, 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 the other guy whose name I can't remember, who's like a big character actor that everybody recognizes. Oh, they get, fight, yeah they get the fuck killed out of them like that That is, <laughs> yes. it's kind of ridiculous how how hard they get killed by the they tornado get
0: sucked up into the tornado and then thrown down and then they explode in a giant fireball. and that's
1: after a like still like support beam gets javelin through the windshield and and impels the guy driving
0: yeah. And, and you, you kind of like him because you see, he's just following orders from the big bad Carrie Ells. And so it, it, a sadistic turn that impalement is sort of like the movie's mercy on him. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, here, we're going to kill you in a really quick, quick his, way his because you don't, you don't deserve the full wrath of God that's
1: coming for Carrie Ells. Uh, I'm trying to find. Oh, I'm trying to find that dude's name because it was Eddie. His name's Eddie. Zach Grenier is the actor's name. Um, but he's just like Eddie, the sidekick. And then he gets impaled and then flipped around and thrown down and blown up. <laughs> and they they don't even like, they're not even especially sad that it happened. They forget There's immediately. Like, Helen,
0: Helen Hunt immediately
1: It's just like, we tried. We did all we could. Well, that's because Helen Hunt's character is so horny for tornadoes, like she can't even stand it. Like they have to get to the tornado and put the the tracers in it. Man, Helen Hunt, I forgot what a beautiful, beautiful woman she is. I haven't like
0: seen a Helen Hunt movie in a long time. She's got this sort of she kind of reminds me of Lily Zobieski. Do you remember that's do you remember? A-
1: that's such a, yeah, I know who that is. And you bring her up a lot. Like, this is just a Do weird, I? well, I don't, more than anyone else I've ever met. Well, I've got a thing for Lily Zobieski too. So maybe that's why. Her anyway,
0: girl from Swim fan. Oh, uh, Erica Christensen.
1: Yeah. you You have like all the like obscure 90s, early 2000s, like young female actresses, like stored in a dark corner of your brain. Maybe I don't. I mean,
0: I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, uh, well,
1: ugh, crap! What's her? Julia Stiles. I do like Julia Stiles. Um, yeah, yeah. Well. Anyway, in, in this movie, let's just talk. No, let's just talk about this for let's the rest let's of rank the time. women while we're here. Um, yeah. So, so <laughs> for for this movie, you were you were on your on your Helen uh, Helen and and Hunt. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm mad about her. See what I did
1: there? Yeah. yeah. Um, she, like, You know, I actually, uh, as far as, you know, I mentioned that, that the acting's not great in this movie, but I will say that I really I enjoyed Helen Hunt's sort of like maniacal, you know, obsessed with her work and research kind of thing. And I also really enjoyed uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Dusty. Just like tearing ass through this movie (laughs) pretty great
0: yeah he he really goes for it
1: oh yeah yeah this is a guy who's like oscar caliber performance in like almost everything he's in that's a drama
0: and the master and uh, synecdoche
1: new york and oh yeah yeah yeah. and just everything all these movies and this he's just this like weird funky side character and just kills it
0: he has it's the 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 way Ben Stiller can do the sort of dodgeball heavyweights character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman has this sort of Jack Black ability. You know what I'm saying? Like along came Polly. He does the same thing where he's like the goofy sidekick. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's a, that's a Jack Black character. They were probably both reading for the, for the role, you know? Um, which is strange. It's not that strange for Ben Stiller, who's a comedic actor, but it is strange for Philip Seymour Hoffman, who, like you said, is like was one of the best actors of uh, of our lives. I think.
1: And he's just like the goofy guy. Didn't he have like a speech impediment in *Along Came Polly*? Wasn't that a thing? Am I'm I imagining that?
0: I don't remember. He it's he like has a the thing choice. where he keeps like clearing his throat, but that's, that's what I'm thinking in, of. You know. Intentional
1: raindrops <laughs> But yeah the, the As dusty in this movie he's just Kind of awesome <laughs> Just in his weird uh, His mobile Production studio blasting his Like psychedelic rock mm-hmm. Yeah there's a real A real uh,
0: Attempt by the filmmaker here to, to kind of make the community of storm chasers or this little team of storm chasers kind of a desirable dynamic, uh, community. Like we're supposed to really think that these guys are kind of renegade daredevil badasses.
1: Oh, for sure. And they, they all have their own like gimmick almost, um, the one I couldn't figure out and maybe I just like wasn't paying close enough attention, but they have the one guy that drives the station wagon. What was his job? What was he there for? Oh yeah. He's got like the bearded guy, kind of the longer yeah, hair. he's playing like the William till overture as they're chasing the tornado when they have that weird yeah. like music mesh thing. He's, he's sort of like, I think he is supposed to give the, the outfit. It's
0: a, uh, it's intellectual flair. He's sort of got this professor vibe to him where it's like, here's the brains behind the operation. Uh, whereas dusty is kind of this sort of uh, exuberant spirit of it. And then uh, you know, Bill and Joe are kind of the, the leaders uh, the fearless leaders. So yeah, I think, I think he's, I think He's the brains of Team Zisu,
1: but well, but then like it's mentioned, I think that Joe's a doctor, right? Like she has her doctorate, and she's paying for all this with grant money. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, that's that is a, another weird thing of like
0: I don't know, maybe it's a favor to Jan Debon for, for, uh, from to that guy.
1: <laughs> I just I, I just was watching that guy in his station wagon. I was like, what is he doing? Like, what? But... uh <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting this is one of those movies and and they're these happen occasionally where they try to and it it sucks because it's pretty much always in the stem fields but they try to make academia look cool and like grant money used for like something badass like chasing tornadoes and all that sort of stuff whereas yeah. if uh, the only time they illuminate or sort of like uh Sort of make a hero of someone in the humanities. It's almost always when they're teaching lower class people of color. <laughs> you know, it's always like Freedom Riders or like Finding Forrester or something like that. <laughs> they're never a hero in like a cool way. It's always something like that. Yeah. yeah Which, you know, sure. I, that's heroic too, in a way, I guess, to get like after school special about it, but it's not badass like this.
0: Yeah. Um how about the uh the use of the
1: shining at that, the drive-in that's pretty great like that that's sort of the perfect choice for that scene cuz it's sort of the like this uh you know foreboding you know overcast the tornadoes coming kind of dread filling and then when it finally rips through during the scene when you know jack's chopping through the door
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know how it makes me think of how a lot of critics, at least the type of critics that we might read, talk about the problems with depicting nature as a villain. Mm -hmm. So you look at like the happening and things like that, where, you know, it's nature is characterized as a villain that is like, a completely separate thing from humanity. And we kind of decouple ourselves from it. And, and therefore we are not implicated with it. And this movie just takes a giant shit. It's like, so what? <laughs> and it's like, no, see the tornado is like the psycho killer in the shining, except worse. So like, as the tornado is approaching, you see Jack Torrance kind of lumbering down the hall with his ax and then, like you said, when the tornado hits, uh, it's you see Jack uh, chopping through the door, and so this movie just takes that,
1: you know, that that trope that so many people find problematic, and it's just like,
0: yeah, so what? That's exactly what we're doing.
1: Yeah, and it comes for Aunt Meg, right? And that's that's kind of kind of a great scene because it's sort of like lethal weapon or something like they came for the police chief or or like one of their, their wives or whatever. And they're in the hospital and they're like, go get this bastard. It's, it's that, but with a tornado. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it definitely, and that's, that's part of what I appreciate about this because it's, it's definitely of that like late nineties, just like blow it out, do all of the crazy special effects stuff, you know, plots there, but it's not super duper important. Um, and, and it, it like you're saying it it doesn't try to hide the the fact that they're depicting nature as the villain more or less, but it revels in it. It's yeah, just sort of like exactly. This F exactly. five tornado, like, oh, 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 like tearing <laughs> ass across the plane. <laughs>
0: Here's a, a
1: kind of not very meaningful, but uh, an
0: observation nonetheless. Did you notice how the things? in the storm like that get picked up and thrown by the storm are usually like whole things so it's like the suggestion is that uh the the tornado is strong enough to pick up and throw a truck but not strong enough to rip it apart
1: yeah that was a little strange it always picks everything up whole like like the that really badass jeep that they're driving at the beginning or, you know, near the beginning that gets sucked up and dropped like, you know, 200 yards away or whatever. But yeah, you're right. It's it, it, weird that it would, <laughs> it would be able to do that, but it doesn't like hurt them in any way. They never get hit by anything that damages them. Right. Um, and it's always, like you're saying, a whole car or with the windows intact, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It, and it,
0: it reminds me of uh, The Wizard of Oz. You know, when Dorothy, Dorothy wakes up and she's in the house and the house in the tornado and she looks out the window and it's like (laughs) these guys she knows. And they're like in a canoe in a rowboat and they're sort of waving.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, the storm is strong enough to pick up these guys in a tornado, but not strong enough to throw them out of the boat.
1: Yeah. And and that is clever that they named the machines Dorothy. They have a little. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And then her dog is also—I don't know if it's the same kind of dog, but it looks kind of like oh, Toto. Oh yeah, um, and then that is that is such a shout out to
0: to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And
1: then uh, the op the uh, sort of opposing research team, their thing is named Dot, which is short for Dorothy, <laughs> just to emphasize the rip off of it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. It, they did everything except set the movie in Kansas. And I don't even know why that is. You think it'd be easier just to do that. Where are they? Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Did you, did you hear the like half assed
0: explanation for like why it's, it's like they felt like they had to justify the utter improbability of so many tornadoes hitting within a certain amount of time. And it's, there's some minor scenes in some sort of, meteorological yeah, the NSSL, you know office
1: or
0: yeah and it's like oh the explanation that it gives is oh it looks like s- storms are going to be strangely more frequent this season <laughs> cut to probably like eight tornadoes
1: back to back to back to back to back it's probably a one-time thing Once in yeah, our lifetime a, at least it's such a half-assed thing and, and speaking of half-assed things I loved that uh, Jamie Gertz's character, uh, Melissa, only, like, exists as, like, a prop within the narrative, but ac- actually only exists in order for us to learn things. So, <laughs> they, they keep, like, things will happen, and she'll be like, what's that? Who's this? What, what do you mean? What happened? Like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just keeps asking questions, and then people give her, like, overly long explanations, and that's how we learn she's she's, uh, she's like the Ellen Page character in uh, Inception yeah pretty much and so she's like just like a whole movie you're just
0: being explained complicated things through through her although it's
1: yeah quite a bit less complicated in twister like the dinner scene where she's like why do you call him the extreme and then we get the story about the the whiskey bottle and the tornado which is one of my favorite parts of the movie oh great great never touch never touch the ground (laughs) um again philip seymour hoffman killing it uh But yeah, just existing like that, just to, just to be like a stand in for us of like, okay, who is this? Who is Joe? Okay. What's the relationship with Joe and Bill? Okay. Why didn't they get along? All that sort of shit. Uh, Doesn't really have any kind of agency of her own, except when she's answering the phone calls from her patients. And then when she finally kind of calls it quits with, with Bill and leaves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She, like you said, she is kind of a, a, just like a plot necessity. Um, or the mastermind behind the whole thing, like I said. Uh,
1: yeah. But it is kind of, she, she's also sort of our stand-in where everyone else is super into s- storm chasing and all that, but she's freaking right. out. Um, right. But yeah, the, the the NSSL, I think, is what it's called, the National Severe Storm Laboratory. I don't know if that's a real thing. I didn't Google it. Uh, it it's called the Incel? <laughs> pretty much. And it's a real thing. It's a... It's a part of Noah. Um, but yeah, that that is funny that that's their whole explanation. And they're like, oh, it's just like a weird one-time thing. Probably shouldn't worry about it too much. Uh,
0: I remember hearing a long time ago that uh, a fundamental problem with the terminology the movie uses is that uh, the f series like f2 f3 the f4 the f250 <laughs> ford f5 uh, is is a is a system to assess damage capacity of a it's, tornado but they're ranking post- them ahead of time say what but they're ranking them ahead of time right and it's like it's like post storm you assess the damage and based on the damage it's it's an f2 or it's an f4 and and they're just like looking at a storm and it's it's like they think it's based on its like diameter or something like oh that one's an f5 Uh, which of course there would be a correlation between how big a storm is and how much damage it does but not it's not necessarily that's not necessarily how it's ranked according to one thing i saw like 15 years ago so
1: no, yeah, and that that makes perfect sense because you know how you could anticipate how much damage it would do, but like, how would you really know?
0: And also, that's uh, really dependent upon where it hits. You know, if it if it hits a a town, um, obviously, what what we call damage is really only damage to things. That human culture and economies depend on, you know, if it tears through a, a field of, you know, if it tears through the forest and uproots, you know, a thousand trees, if a, if a tornado uh, knocks down a tree and no one's there uh, to see it, does it really, does it really get knocked down is the philosophical question that Twister asks um uh, but if it goes through a town it's like oh look how damaging this tornado was so so damage is a it's kind of a human a very human you know, the definition of damage it's a very human thing hmm.
1: uh, yeah and i was uh, just to sort of piggyback on that i was just looking at um the fujita scale and there's also the enhanced fujita skill. <clears throat> and so the the enhanced Vegeta scale is uh goes from one to twenty-eight. And then it has like details of what that of the damage indicator, and they're all man made structures until you get to the last two, which are hardwood and softwood trees.
0: Now see that's interesting, and that shows the, exactly what I'm talking about, the the privileging of of the human, which I mean, I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing, but uh, it is a, at least worth worth thinking about how, in terms of where and how we build cities and towns and, and that sort of thing that 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 should be a consideration.
1: Yeah, and uh, it looks like I misspoke. It's it's still from from zero to five but there are 28 different indicators apparently and that's what they use to like figure out where it oh was.
0: i see i see yeah you but, figure
1: out where it fits on the one to five mm-hmm. by using these 28 variables or yeah. or
0: uh, specs
1: but even then like i said the the only two natural things are trees hmm yeah and and other I things like, like yeah, strip like malls. Ant- <laughs>
0: Say how many, I bet it doesn't have cows on there. How many cows got killed?
1: Nope. Doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's all stuff. Some of them are weirdly specific, like junior or senior high school, <laughs> uh, motel, strip mall, small barns or farm outbuildings. So does it have elementary schools on there? Service station canopy. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what the Where's, difference is. With, which one is more important according to this scale? I, I don't think they're just numbered. I don't think it's by importance. I think it's just oh. like they give them a number to track them, I guess. It,
0: it, it's very strange to me that, that it wouldn't just say like public schools.
1: Yeah, or just schools in general because the construction of the two is not <laughs> very different. Especially yeah. now, like they're all just like mostly like one or two story buildings. Are you sure there's no like uh, hierarchy to this list?
0: Because if there is, that's amazing.
1: No, it's just a, a like. I don't know how they decided what order to put them in, but I don't think so. Weird. Maybe you have to like have so many but to be classified up or something. I don't. I don't know. Or or maybe
0: it has to do with some sort of urban design consideration. Like, like maybe there are differences in the architecture and, and that sort of thing that, that would privilege one over the other. But anyway, I'm kind of, kind of intrigued by that.
1: Yeah, but that, apparently that was adopted in 2007, I think. Yes. Hmm. So they, they realized the old scale was maybe not the best because it doesn't really help to... Well, I don't know this <laughs> is maybe not the best one um but I do love that you have to like as far it, Twister is a film that could be filled with a lot of technical jargon but kind of isn't and when it is it's sort of like it's not explained and it, it might just be made up so like at the beginning Joe's like giving orders and she's like saying a bunch of stuff but it's like it point at northwest and blah 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 blah, blah. um And what I love about the film is like Joe has all that, that, you know, that knowledge and, and, and use of the tools and all that. But Bill's whole thing is that he can just feel it. (laughs) Like he just, like, they say he can read a storm's mind. Yeah, he's got the instincts. He's got the shining for storms. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. And I love their, they sort of, you know, give him crap because he's going to be a weatherman. Like that's the that's the
1: poser move in this world, selling out. Yeah, <laughs> that is funny though to to think of like go from storm chaser to weatherman, and be like the rugged weatherman.
0: Yeah, you kind of you kind of see uh, that you you see the the fiance character as sort of the weatherman option, you know Joe. Is a fitting partner for the extreme storm chaser badass, and Melissa is the a fitting partner for the boring ass weatherman. Yeah, he's not. He's not being true to himself in in courting Melissa.
1: Yeah, because he's him and uh, Joe are utterly and completely uh codependent on one another.
0: <laughs> exactly. I said that, I was just thinking the pleasure, the real pleasure of this movie is is the uh uh temporary catharsis of a relapse into a dependent relationship.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it, just going back to the the same old bullshit. <laughs> oh, th- this
0: was yeah. It's like uh taking refuge in in that which is comfortable and familiar. Uh, in a relationship,
1: so, yeah, and everyone it, like, and that's the running joke the whole time. As soon as he gets her, like, "Oh, you're back." I'm you not know. back. It's sort of like I, wish, a... I wish so
0: bad that I could do a Bill Paxton impression. Does anyone do a Bill Paxton impression?
1: I I doubt it. Like, I don't, why would anyone? Because he's got such a distinct kind of delivery. Yeah, he does. Uh-huh. He's very, like, even, it's funny, like, even when he's, like, yelling or, like, being dramatic, it's, it's still pretty, pretty much the same delivery. Not that he's monotone or anything, but it's, like, it's still, like, the same thing, but louder. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Better believe I'm Googling Bill Paxton impression right now.
1: <laughs> what would you even do? What's a famous Bill Paxton line? does he have one from like Apollo 13 or something
0: oh I forgot he was in that um, hold on let me bear with me I've got a video here Rawls Ceballos
1: Bill Paxton famous lines let me see oh yeah yeah what? He he was game over man from Alien, right? Oh my god, dude! You got to hear this. He's 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 doing Twister. He's doing Bill Paxton
0: impression from Twister. Hold on. They call an F five Twister finger God.
1: Once this monster storm hits, there's only one thing to do: hang on to your You c- you couldn't hear that, could you? No, I could, but like that's not even those aren't even lines from the movie. Like that he just like took something that was said and turned it into a phrase and then said it as Bill Paxton. It's not, it's not a bad impression. No, no, it's not bad.
0: <laughs> I am uh, very happy to know that someone's doing the Lord's work with Bill Paxton impressions. And I was just reading that uh, Bill Paxton's family has filed for a wrongful death lawsuit. Hmm.
1: So there's that. In case anyone was wondering. And so I'm looking at Bill Paxson's famous lines here. The the number one is a uh, game over man from aliens. And then mm. another one listed is from Apollo 13 when he said, quote, I could eat the ass out of a dead rhinoceros. That is. Now, if that guy in the video had said that. Now we're talking that, that was his rosebud. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I need to watch Nightcrawler. I never got around to it, but I oh man, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's good in that. Because yeah, he the died, late. you know, incredibly unexpectedly, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Well, did he? I know he had he had some serious health issues. Um, the last thing I saw him in was the Circle. Uh, the Tom Hanks, you know, uh, Dave Eggers adaptation, oh. which was twenty eighteen, I believe, or maybe seventeen. Yeah, oh. seventeen.
1: Okay. Anyway, yeah, he, uh, he died of a. It might have been he had disease on his disease. He had a surgery. <laughs> He had a surgery on his heart because he had a damaged heart valve from when he was younger. He had a, a rheumatic fever and he had heart surgery, uh, but apparently something went wrong. Or, or, you know, maybe it was just like a, a a fluke thing, but he had a stroke following the surgery and that's what killed him. Hmm. Well, he's he seems... Uh...
0: He always seems like a, a sort of down-to-earth sort of dude, despite the fact that he's in like James Cameron movies. Uh, but I, I still think he, he's he's just uh, really overachieving in this uh, probably his biggest sort of leading man role. Uh, but not not terrible, you know. It's not like it's not the worst performance you've ever seen. And, and the subject matter of the film does not demand some sort of day Lewis performance here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's, he's doing the big Hollywood summer movie thing for sure. Which you know, this film, we talked about this when we decided to do it, like in, you know, 96, when this came out, it was a big deal. It made a fuck ton of money. And, uh, yeah, it it, it makes me think.
0: I was thinking this earlier that this movie probably exists because some executives somewhere were sitting around, like, what disaster hasn't been done? Because, you know, you know how some disaster movies are kind of political responses in a way, like, like, uh, 2012 and, um, trying to think um a day after tomorrow obviously are are kind of disasters that are manifestations of a political conversation uh this does not feel like that at all like i don't remember there being a particular like upsurge in torn tornadoes in the mid 90s and it was like oh people are afraid of these now let's Hmm. let's capitalize on that this is just like People sitting around asking what uh, uh, catastrophe has not been shown on film recently uh, And do we have the special effects technology to incorporate it in you know into a film And so the nerds got on their computers
1: and they're like, oh yeah, we can make a tornado and they're like, go, call Crichton. <laughs> Just, like, on the phone with the computer nerds, like, what, can you make a, can you make this? They're like, oh, I don't know. Can you put a cow know. in there? Like, how about a tornado? And they're like, we can do a tornado. Yeah, you know, the special effects, like, hold up fairly well. For the most there's part, like, some There's a
0: few, few fire, like, explosions that are a little, uh, the last yeah. winter
1: and when sci-fi it, like, original. <laughs> And when it like at one point the like power lines get blown over, sucked up or whatever, and that's a little bit you can tell it's very <laughs> practical effect. Yeah, um, but that's like,
0: one of the one of the things the honest Trader mentions. You know, it does the thing at the end where it's like featuring sparks, and
1: it just has a montage of like sparks flying everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, but the uh, sort of the whole climactic thing with the F five you know, moving around. That's, you know, if you made that today, it would probably look pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. And to, uh, I
0: I really thought about a lot. The, that reading I was talking about earlier of like this Helen hunt as this, uh, either healer or like you said, someone, uh, in the process of healing from this trauma of her childhood, I think that the metaphor holds up pretty nicely of her, you know, the, the big climax is her now with her, you know, with her partner, her true partner in the, in the middle of the storm, like having sort of penetrating to the, to the core of, of the trauma and holding on for dear life. And if she can just survive this, uh, she'll be fine. And of course that's exactly what happens. Um, So, but, but I mean, almost any movie, I mean, if it has a character trying to overcome obstacles and then succeeding in overcoming those obstacles, any movie is going to follow the sort of therapeutic process because that's what it is. It's like (laughs) overcoming obstacles. Um, So I don't want to emphasize that too much, but just thoughts I was thinking.
1: Yes. That that's yeah. your new uh that's kinda like your uh one of those weird little like fuck, I, how do I explain this? Kinda like a the more you know kind of interstitial thing that you Thoughts yours, I was it, thinking. Thoughts <laughs> now we go to Will Underland with thoughts I was thinking.
0: <laughs> here's uh, here's another uh segment and thoughts I was thinking that has nothing to do with Twister. Is it possible to get wetter? like <laughs> Go perpetually on. wetter. So like, let's say you're in the shower for 10 minutes and you're wet from head to toe. If you stay in the shower for 15 minutes, are you wetter than you were at 10 minutes, even though you were completely saturated at 10 minutes? This is a question that has plagued me for many years.
1: Do you reach a saturation point? Right. Well, I, I don't know. In, in Twister, they're everyone's wet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they managed to like give Helen Hunt a white like tank top, but never let it like soak through, which is commendable for an 90s Right. Idea. Like, well, it was like it was like in her contract. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: even though I don't know what this says about me, I'm pretty sure. There's a movie. It's either as good as it gets or castaway where she's in a white shirt in the
1: rain and it's
0: the transparent.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean she just has nude scenes in the sessions. Oh yeah. I guess so. she's not. It's apparently not, it's not, a not contract, too big deal. Uh, um But yeah, that, that's neither here nor there. But you know, I, we, I have no, no idea. No, it is. It, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna find a way to make this conversation. About Helen Hunt, I'm gonna have to put my foot down on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we could sort of talk about
0: the legacy of American disaster movies in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at one point we mentioned on the podcast about how how many disaster movies and big budget blockbusters in general have this strange penchant for urban destruction and we sort of talked about movies as cultural dreams and dreams as wish fulfillment and so this sort of repressed desire to destroy the urban uh, which doesn't you know doesn't really work with the twister because it's it's a uniquely uh, rural film, uh, but I do think it's worth mentioning that there is this uh, twister does fit into this larger category of just like American fascination with large scale catastrophe.
1: Yes, and that is, so in the, you know in this film you you see like a rural catastrophe which doesn't really usually get much attention right, um, and it's it's probably because, like we said earlier the the lower concentration
0: of people,
1: yeah, well, and also because of that the you know the people there are sort of not seen as as important in a lot of ways, right, so if you get like the the fact that Oklahoma and Kansas, and a lot of the Midwest just gets pounded by tornadoes and flooding and all these things every year, and people are just like, oh well, that's what those people get for living there, but you know. Uh, things like the fires in uh, California, which are have been around for a long time, but have been intensifying because of, of climate change, are get far more attention because yeah. of the, the the density of people, of course, but also because of where they're taking place and the kind of people right. that they're targeting. Or not targeting. Nature is not the villain here, but the kind of people that are affected.
0: <laughs> right. And, and these sort of thoughts, honestly, I, I said it sort of jokingly at the beginning, or completely jokingly, but that... I can't watch a movie about rural or set in rural America now without thinking about Trump's election. And so that, that sort of thought was on my mind and it's probably why I read it the way I did or thought about it the way I did. Uh, yeah, we're in, we're in flyover country. We're in, you know, quote unquote, the middle of nowhere. Um, so why, you know, why does this matter? Um, Yeah,
1: and I think about and I
0: don't think Jan I don't think Jan de Bont is on a on a populist crusade to illuminate the uh, the true people of America. I think he's just exploiting a a new you know a new a different type of catastrophe. But nevertheless, we do in this film see rural America. Um, We see it, however, through mostly through the lens of these highly scientific you know, technologically, uh, sophisticated scientists and, or meteorologists. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's not, uh, there's not, maybe, maybe there's not enough here to really get anything out of, uh, there's, it's just, it's just spectacle.
1: Yeah, but what I do think a lot, uh, and again, this, like you're saying, this is pretty much unrelated to Twister, but I think a lot about this, uh, what you usually heard called like the urban-rural divide and that sort of shit. Um, Fly over country, places that bring it upon themselves so they're undeserving of pity, that sort of thing. And there's a lot of people, uh, well, I say a lot, there are quite a few that I see on Twitter who are always talking shit or saying really just like egregious things about either uh, Appalachia or the South. And, you know, a lot of people would think Appalachia is part of the South and they argue about it. It's not really important, but having, you know, grown up in Eastern Kentucky, lived in the South pretty much my whole life. uh, It gets really just like old, really fast to hear that people talk about like, Oh, well, if Kentucky reelects Mitch McConnell again, then, They should be completely undeserving of of funding or like the South should be completely cut off from government aid and let the people live. You know, they made the decision to let them, you know, lie in their own grave, that sort of thing. Um, And it just like never, never really stops or goes away, never gets old. And it's always by people that like have lived their whole lives, uh, you know, 10 minutes outside of New York City or something and like have never visited any of these places, don't know anybody from these places. And the lady was talk about how the people living there are just like backwards idiots who are deserving of all the bad things that come to them. Uh, right. And
0: it's and it's and it's not that they're wrong. Maybe the last thing you said, maybe they're wrong, but it's that it's not limited to the South. And that's one thing these protests uh, all over the world are are really confirming. Like, racism is not confined to Southern United States. Um, the, the entire country is racist. The entire fucking world is racist. And you, that's why you see these protests, um, you know, popping up in Australia and uh, Palestine and all over the world, because it's not because these people have, you know, an, uh, a really heightened sense of empathy. It's because they, know exactly what we're talking about because they see it there too. Uh, So I'm not trying to disown the, uh, the heritage uh, as, as people like to say of the South, it's, it's fucked up and egregious. But uh, the, a lot of that rhetoric you're talking about uh, seems to be uh, a tool to kind of obscure or at least obfuscate the reality that there are racists and, and, and the, and the institutional racism, the systemic racism that much of the protests have been about, obviously reaches all over the world. That's, that's sort of the thing. An institution is a centralized sort of, you know, power center.
1: Uh, So yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. People don't, the people that would disagree or that like get upset when someone says that, you know, America is a racist country or something like just uh, have not cared to pay attention to, you know, the the corners of history. Right. Where they, it's it's not it's not that America became racist, it's that America was a a racist venture from the very beginning, like all European presence on the North American continent. Was sort of inherently racist in its in yeah its it was aims it was found, it was it was founded by people steeped in racial prejudice Absolutely. and
0: therefore and therefore you know is is racist uh, and and then in, and then now it's in, inhabited by people full of racial prejudice and it's run by institutions who are themselves run by people racially prejudiced and uh so that's that's how racism happens uh, and gets disseminated Uh, not some mystical reason
1: yeah it's not like uh you're either born with it or you're not (laughs) it's it's the it's the water you're swimming in right yeah and that that people get white well white people uh specifically young white men get so upset when you even imply that they could be maybe possibly a little bit racist.
0: Well, and, and the level, the degree to which they get upset, uh, is, is a likely indicator of the degree to which your accusation is true. You know?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, oh yes. The, he who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. And you uh, know, this is not, we're not breaking any new ground here no no it just sort of, uh, like sometimes i feel like both of us have this thing where sometimes we have to say these things out loud to someone else just to make sure we haven't lost our fucking minds
0: i i think i think you're you're definitely right about that uh, but yeah jency uh, and i were talking about that the other day the the very minor um the very very minor sense of of uh not i don't know something like validation that like racism is not just in the south and again i don't want that to sound like i'm saying there's not racism in the south or that the south is not as bad as people say because it is yeah but uh, a lot of places are racist
1: yes any
0: a, a place, you know, as far as the racist institutions reach, which is everywhere, uh, that's where, that's how far racism reaches. It's the
1: it's like the reverse Tom Joad thing. It's like, wherever there's a guy, the little man's being beat down, I'll be there, except it's with racism. <laughs>
0: yes. All related did, to Twister. How did we get to, from Twister they're a rural america
1: probably yeah yeah and i don't know i just i've sort as i get older the more and more i like am just annoyed by people from from the urban centers on the coasts uh because they just because of how little they seem to think of the rest of the country and like you know i get it we elected trump and all that but like that that took more than just a, a few southern states to do right like well, it's, it's also, it's also in part a result
0: of that disdain you're talking about. It's like, it's not like the disdain started with the election of Trump. No, no, it's, it's, it's like, been oh, they're, thing. they're marginalized for, for hundreds of years. And then, and then that results in this desperation in a way that elects this billionaire. And then people use that as a, a you know, as verification that these people suck.
1: It's like, it's just it's just this vicious cycle that's going to get repeated it's like why it's it's basically the uh eric andre hannibal burris meme where eric andre shoots hannibal burris and he's like why would hannibal do this (laughs) but it's like (laughs) america shooting itself why would the south (laughs) do this um So i mean that's all it's that's part of the seemingly infinite rehashing of 2016 yeah um, and then you know we'll see what happens like I, I don't even give a shit about the I don't think anybody really gives a shit about the election anymore like we all just want to be able to go to a fucking ball game with our fucking dad <laughs> and have a beer and a hot dog What do you
0: what do you miss most about normal life? What, like what's uh, what's the, what's the one thing? The quarantine due to COVID is, is keeping you from,
1: well, I'm kind of like, that I'm sounded
0: a, kind of rhetorical. It's a sincere question.
1: No, Like I'm, I'm maybe not the best example because I don't really, I'm, I'm kind of a homebody, like hermit dude anyway. Yeah, um, but I don't, I, I would like to, I, I can do it now, but I'm not going to, because I'm not an idiot, but uh, just like eating in restaurants would be nice. And again, yeah. we, we're allowed to do that now, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, going to the movies, yeah. like even though the movies are dying, and like apparently that's going to come back too. That would be, I don't go to the movies a ton or I didn't go a ton, but to be able to would be nice. Movies coming out would be nice. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Like I like concerts, but I haven't been to one in a while, but I would like for people to be able to go to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I miss uh, going to this Mexican restaurant, Carmen's. Jensi and I used to go to, like, most Fridays. But also just, like, the fucking baseball season is killing me here. Oh, yeah, yeah. All uh, the
1: sports seasons. Like uh, Even though, like, some of the European soccer has come back with no fans. But American sports still very much kind of down the shitter for the time being.
0: I want to just, like, start
1: a wiffle ball game
0: with you know with friends and we'll just you make a youtube thing out of it and we'll just like pretend it's the mlb and people can like bet on it and everything
1: you know that'd be awesome but it's kind of weird like of all the sports you think you would think baseball would be the one that where people could most easily follow guidelines and keep distance and stuff like that yeah but i don't know i guess it's just not meant to be for the time being it's yeah, first the baseman's like, like, the, like the pitcher's performance determines
0: the rest of the team's health. It's like if you walk this batter, your first baseman is going to get sick.
1: <laughs> it's just extra. So pressure. throw a <laughs> fucking strike. It's like the catcher; he's a lost cause. We gave up on him. <laughs> uh, it's weird that like the, the only the the first sport that came back, I guess, was like UFC. <laughs> Like that's just strange. The one that's the most up close and personal. Yeah, they're just like fuck it. It's just weird, and like
0: they're like, trust me, uh, COVID is the last of our health worries. It's like we all have got a a fucking foot to the
1: nose. Is my is my priority. We all we all have CTE, and we hear a constant buzzing. none of us no. can lift our arms above our heads um, <laughs> so yeah that's uh that, yeah i guess sports if we're talking about like immediate experiences it's probably like going to a restaurant if we're talking about sports stuff like or entertainment stuff then definitely sports seasons would be i think a lot of people would agree with that because it's so that you could almost like and I, i've i have friends like this have known people where they sort of keep track of time via the sports seasons like, you know, you have right. calendars and stuff, but it's like, oh, it's all, like, oh, it's,
0: it's, oh, it's all star break.
1: Yeah. And there's that, there's that weird time, like after the NBA ends where it's just baseball for a little while. And that's like the doldrums <laughs> people no, people that, is, people that, that don't is, like baseball are like, oh my God, dude, let me
0: tell you about the worst time in the world. It's, it's when baseball is still going in September into like the playoffs and football is starting. And everyone, like right when baseball gets important,
1: everyone just checks out and starts talking about football. And I'm like, fuck football. Yeah, I mean, we should I should mention that that Will's a big baseball guy in case you hadn't picked that up yet. It's the only sport worth playing.
0: It, that, and che- <laughs> I mean, that and chess. It's those are gentlemen's <laughs> games.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i only play gentleman sports like now I, I, I really like i really strange I, re, I, uh, I really
0: like watching tennis
1: oh, yeah, i tennis is great. I, i'm
0: terrible at playing tennis but it's i think it's fascinating to watch and i really like uh i really like basketball but i just didn't follow it when i was a kid so i haven't really gotten into it but i, I like i like playing basketball and i like watching basketball but uh, i don't know it uh as well as, as as intimately as i know baseball see i like
1: you know grew up in kentucky so we grew up watching basketball from an early age and then my second big toby smith yeah and then my, my second big sports love was uh was baseball with the reds and i actually for like three or four years in a row gotten a, a groove where like during the season i would watch not every game but like a lot of the games Um, and then just kind of, I got older, girls started paying attention to me. I stopped paying attention Mm -hmm. to baseball as much. Um, do
0: you, or were you, were you plugged into the reds? My dad and I were just talking about this earlier today. Um, so the reds got in the, in the mid nineties, they got Ron Gant from the Braves and he was an all-star in 1995. Have you ever have you ever heard of Ron Gant? Uh, not that I can recall right now. Okay. Well, here's why. Uh, this dude was gonna he was an all star in 1995 and he was going to be a big deal. Uh, was well on his way, and then he got into a motorcycle accident, and like broke his leg or something. And not only did it ruin, I mean, basically ruin his career, but it was a breach of contract that he be riding a motorcycle Mm. and so he lost a lot of money he cost the reds a lot of money by you know by having this being one of their all-star players and you know having to sit out for a season um anyway i was thinking the reds were on my mind because because uh because of Ron
1: gam no that's part of that that cincinnati curse where we like signed king griffey jr and then he just falls apart you sign ron Gant and he breaks his
0: leg you sign king griffey jr and he becomes somebody that's not king griffey jr
1: um <laughs> he's just some dude that's always hurt um uh, yeah, yeah i mean apparently the reds were supposed to have a really good season and now it's just not going to happen so yeah anyway pretty well, cool stuff
0: so we Twi- can, twist twisters the kind of movie where when you have a movie podcast you talk about baseball
1: well I, we burn which is funny because like it, it's it's in that spot where movies were still two hours long so it's like an hour and 56 minutes or whatever um but it, you know like i said it, it's a pretty quick burn like there's not a whole lot of pausing for reflection <laughs> no no it, it is pretty quick pace really the only sort of
0: The only sort of, uh, uh, not intermission, but pause is when they go to the ant's house. But even that, you know, has that great scene where you're hearing the story about the extreme.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I guess that's pretty much much it for Twister. Yeah. It stops twisting. That's a wrap. Uh, Next week, we're going to be watching a movie that we haven't done yet. For some reason, but uh, from 2007, No Country for Old Men, directed by the Cohen Brothers, adapted Freak, from yeah. the novel by Cormac McCarthy, that we'll have to talk about because the Ed Tom stuff in the novel is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I might take another glance at at, at least the Ed Tom stuff. So it'll be a very sort of deep existential questions about changing society and growing old and all sorts of great stuff the meaning of existence and what evil <laughs> evil the nature of evil tommy lee jones's cavernous face it's great yeah i'm looking great forward great i haven't seen it in a while so i'm looking forward to it yeah so that's what we'll be doing next week uh stay safe watch old braves games Drink yeah. some water.
0: I'm pretty sure the World Series, the '95 World Series, is on YouTube. Well, there you go. That's that's everyone's once, homework once, assignment. Once you finish Twister, go back and play. Playing Twister, go watch the '95 series: right. Braves v. Indians. Two racist ass baseball names competing <laughs> God, for awful. the World Series,
1: which only uh, includes. America and Canada. Well, don't forget Canada. The Blue Jays have won World World Series. Oh yeah, Joe Carter, baby! And then go back and watch the '90 World Series and watch the Reds win Jose Rio before he fell off the face of the fucking earth.
0: Did the Did the Reds win in 1990? Yeah, man. Oh wow! Come on, come on. I saw an I saw an old video of. uh, of Pete Rose when he was player coach pinch. He was like 45 and he back when player coaches were still a thing and he pinch hits, uh, he's the coach and he pinch hits himself and he gets in there and he fucking knocks a single. Like it's no big deal. And he's like, see, this is
1: how you do it. <laughs> that That's such a good power move. <laughs> just yeah. sitting sitting in the dugout like just being pissed off and screaming you're like fuck it i'll do it, gotta, gotta it makes, think do of, it makes me think of fun. daniel plainview uh when he's like trying to go
0: negotiate the the sale of that territory he can't get he's like i'll go show you how it's done <laughs> that's exactly how p rose said
1: that before he went up to the plate that's awesome um so yeah anyway uh no country for all men next week bye freaking crikey